Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. This is my vision of church, organized chaos. It is a beehive of activity. I love it. And this is what I'm used to, and this is what I believe this valley needs. It's just people energized and fired up. We used to do a a 4th of July carnival at our church, so every 4th of July... Uh, we brought we we brought everything in. We brought in roller coasters. We brought in Ferris wheels. We brought in all the carnies, and we brought them all in. Are the carnival games, and we just I mean over the top uh, hot air balloon rides and uh, million dollar basketball half court basketball win a prize. Come on, how many wouldn't mind that in church, right? That would increase your prayer life. How many know what I'm saying, right? And so we would do it all, and we'd have the fire department and the police department there so the kids could see the fire department and the police department. They'd get to hold the water hose. We'd bring in petting zoos. and Because I believe church ought to be fun. A couple of you believe me, all right? And, uh, and, and so one year, the police department, they brought these goggles And I don't know what the scientific name is for them, but they were to simulate that you were drunk. Has anybody ever heard of these goggles? Has anybody ever tried a pair on? Wow, I'm telling you, these, I'm watching kids' parents put these goggles on and fall over. I mean, like elders of the church, I'm like, shame on you, you know? And, and I thought, there is no way putting a pair of goggles on is going to make me do that. And sure enough, I put those goggles on, and if you would have paid me a million dollars to walk a straight line, I put those goggles on, and I'm telling you, I walked worse than the worst drunk in town. I fell down, my whole church is laughing at me, all because of the goggles or all because of the lens I had on. Because of the lens, that, I, because of what I was looking through, I could not walk a straight line. What I'm concerned about is that there's many people that wear the name of Christianity that have maybe a lens or a filter on, and you're trying to walk the straight line, come on now, the narrow way, but what we, what we think about is where we go about. And how we perceive truth is, very, uh, is a very important thing. I'm sure by now with social media, you guys have seen those pictures on social media like do you see the ugly old woman or the pretty young woman you guys know what I'm talking about right or remember the recent one that was going around do you see uh, I think it was pink tennis shoes or green tennis shoes anybody remember that it's like I mean there was wars over this stuff it's kind of like the two guys you know depending on your perspective this guy says there's four and this guy says there's three and how many know when we have an overview they might both be right right this guy says six And this guy says nine. (laughs) It's all based on your perception. Or maybe it's based on where you're at in your walk with Christ. You see, you make decisions based on your worldview. And and if you grew, let's put it this way. If you grew up in a house where the only mirrors in the house made you look like one of those carnival mirrors, right? How many know you'd have a distorted picture of who you are? If you grew up in a house that the only mirrors you ever looked at made you look like you were three feet wide, (laughs) you know or how about seven foot wide and three foot tall how many know if you grew up in a house like that it doesn't matter if you were 610 if your reflection or your view of yourself was I'm uh, I'm three foot tall and seven foot wide how many know you'd never make the decision to go out for NBA basketball right based on your perception 
And one of the concerning things for me in this last year is seeing those that say they're Christians, that say they're followers of Christ, but not having a biblical worldview. Now, I'm not throwing any stones. I'm throwing stones at me. Because as a pastor, I started feeling convicted that we got to do a better job discipling. we got to do a better job creating curiosity for you to be hungry for the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old is gone. The new is here. Let's look at that. If anyone is in Christ, so when we give our life to Christ, instantly our spirit man becomes new, or we use the term, we become born again. So the spirit man in us becomes born again because we're all born spiritually dead. But how many know, depending on how long you have been walking in the world, your soul, or let me say it this way, your mind, your soul is your mind, your soul is your appetites, your moods, um, and some of your character traits. How many know those don't get born again right away? The good news is my spirit is born again and I'm on my way to heaven. All things are new. The, the challenging news is, is that my mind still has to be made new. And if you've read, read any of the New Testament over and over, Ephesians is famous for it, Galatians is famous for it, Philippians is famous for talking about renewing our mind. Because you can get saved today and still have an old appetite of yesterday. How many know I'm telling the truth? Don't look at me like you don't have any bad appetites. Come on now. I will call you out on this serve day, okay? Because it's true. So we need time. The spirit is made new, but the soul is becoming new. And sometimes that makes it hard to walk. And, um, and so here's what I want to do. I want to take, we'll see how many we get done tonight. I hope I can do six or seven. I want to take some of America's uh, greatest worldviews that are happening right now, and I think they've had gasoline poured on them in the year 2020, and these are what I think are uh, six of the greatest worldviews that we're hearing more and more inside the church, and sometimes even in our preaching, and we need to be careful, because if we're going to walk successfully through this life, and honor our Lord and Savior. Come on now. How many know we have to have a biblical worldview? Is everybody with me on that? Okay, so let's do them. We're going to just jet through some of them. Now, let me give you a disclaimer. In every one that I'm going to bring up, you will probably be able to find something good in it. You'll find some nobility in it. It'll sound right. You may have used it. <laughs> you may have this worldview. I'm not throwing stones. I just want you to consider a more godly biblical worldview. So let's tear into some of them tonight, and the first one's kind of easy. And the first worldview that is big in our culture today is materialism. Um, in fact, I was reading this story about this guy that bought his brand new Bentley EXP10. Come on, everybody. How many ever dreamed of that? Some of you don't even know what that is, right? Just give me my truck. All right, yeah. And, uh, and, and he pulls into this gas station to get gas, and, and, and a truck driver comes through, and he pulls in too close, and the guy had left his door open, and he hits the door of his brand-new Bentley, rips the door right off. The guy is in a major panic attack. Oh, my Bentley, my Bentley, my Bentley, you know? And, and a bystander sees him and says, yeah, but he, he ripped off your arm in the process of ripping off the door. The guy looks down at his bloody arm on the ground and says, Oh, no, my Rolex, my Rolex, my Rolex. How many know this guy had his priorities wrong, right, everybody? 
But sometimes that's what I hear as a mantra. So I want to give you a mantra of each one of these individuals or these types of thinking. And the mantra of the materialist is this. It's that the only thing that matters in life is the acquisition of things. Now, none of us would say that. But I wonder sometimes if our behavior doesn't say that's what our worldview is. Because I know good Christians that have a materialistic worldview and they can't come to church on a Sunday because they're too busy trying to acquire the things that they think are important. How many know what we're acquiring right now, the Word of God, is more important than anything else we can acquire, right, everybody? I, I know Christians that can't give to the work of God. I can preach this today because you guys have given thousands of dollars to make this weekend happen. But I know Christians, I know churches that can't do a weekend like this because they have a materialistic worldview, and it's all about what we can get, and it's not about what we can give. Come on, are you guys hearing me? Materialists say that I believe in life and I believe in liberty and the purchase of happiness, right? <laughs> Matthew, though, says this in Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew ch chapter 6 says it this way. Uh, he says, lay for you. We got Matthew chapter number 6? Oh, we don't. Okay, well, let me read it to you then, all right, everybody? Because I have the Word of God memorized, I'm going to quote it to you right now. How many believe I can do it? And I have cheat notes on the back. All right, here we go. Jesus said this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Well, what does that mean? It, it means that shouldn't be, we're not talking about the amount of blessings or the amount of material things. We're talking about our attitude toward it. See, there's nothing wrong with having things, but how many know there's something wrong with things having you? And so what Jesus is saying, look, don't worry about acquiring all that. It's okay to have it, but don't make that your priority. He goes on to say, store for yourselves treasures in heaven. Some of us didn't even know that's a possibility. But do you know when you invest here on earth for eternal things, you're investing and in setting treasures aside in heaven? When you help us buy shoes and you help us buy groceries and you give to the work of God so we can do weekends like this, that's how you lay for yourselves treasures in heaven. Come on, are you guys tired from the day of working? Or can I get an amen in this house today, right? All right, now let me tell you a quick story. I was telling this story to somebody today as we were talking. We were just young in ministry, and um, in fact, it was Patty's very first Mother's Day, and I wanted to do something significant. And Jake was just a little toddler, and we went to some store, and I bought Patty this dress, because back in those days, we had to wear a suit and tie and dress to church all the time. And she was going to church for her first Mother's Day with Jake, and, and I went out and I bought her this dress. And in those days, we didn't have any money, and I, I had saved, and I spent a hundred, it was $104 by the time I paid taxes on her, a brand new Mother's Day dress to wear on her very first Mother's Day to church. Woo, I thought I was the man, all right? And so she wore that dress to church, and then a week later, we went back to church, and we had a missionary there. And the missionary was from somewhere in South, uh, South America, and at the end of the service, some of you might be used to this custom, uh, they took an offering for the mission work and the missionary. And I reached in my pocket, and I had a $20 bill, and I felt pretty good that I was going to give a $20 bill. And I felt God convict me right away. Say, I want you to give the same amount to this missionary that you spent on that dress for your wife. And I said, what you talking about, God? 
<laughs> How many of you have ever done one of those, right? And so back in those days, I had to find her to get the checkbook and so I could write a check. How many remember doing those things, right? And I wrote a check and I put it in there. And immediately I had giver's regret. Now, don't act like you've never had that. I had giver's regret because I was like, was that really God? That couldn't have been God. The devil tricked me. That wasn't God. And I wrote a check for $104. I put it in the offering. No kidding. A week later, a lady that we had never met that had just started going to our church she came to us. She was shutting down her little dress boutique in the downtown area, and she had a size that was left that was my wife's size, her petite size, and gave her 10 brand new, come on, stylish dresses. And I was like, who's your daddy now? Come on, right? Huh? Yeah. Because you cannot outgive God. Am I right about this, right? The second worldview that is very popular in our culture today is individualism. Now, remember, I said there's some good in all of these, but we got to make sure that we don't substitute God's word for what is good. If you're raising children, I think we ought to raise our kids to have some level of individualism. But that's not the end goal. How many know what I'm saying, right? The mantra of the, of the individualist in today's culture would say something. Now, don't give yourself away if you've said this. But it's really a popular phrase right now. The mantra of the individualists say, you just do you. How many's heard this? Come on, you just do you. You just do you. And it sounds so good. It sounds so noble. It sounds like it ought to have like a Bible verse to it. Like, you just do you, second hesitations, 2-9. You know what I mean? You just do you. I always ascribe it to hesitations when it's really not a Bible. It's amazing how many people tell me a Bible verse that's really not a Bible verse. Like, you would not think you would give a pastor a wrong Bible verse. Come on, know your Bible if you're going to argue with me. You know what I'm saying, right? It sounds so good, but it's basically saying, hey, you just think of yourself first. I mean, no, that's not what Jesus told us to do. And that's not what he teaches us to do. I get it. In every one of these, there's an argument. So I can't qualify every one. I understand you should take care of yourself. I understand you should have a Sabbath. I understand all of those kind of things. But that can't be the end all. Because I've seen this attitude rise up and increase during this pandemic. Anybody else? Skip the rest of the world. You just do you. Don't worry about anybody else's feelings or what your decisions have to do with anybody else. You just do you. And it sounds good, but that's not what Jesus taught us. It says, I don't care how I make you feel. I'm going to do me. Ooh. But the Bible's worldview says things like this. Let me just throw a few out. The Bible's worldview says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Let's just all go back to Christianity 101, because I don't know that I got this verse down. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, what? Value others above yourself. How about Matthew 6.33 that we use around here all the time? But seek what? First the kingdom of God. Not first you, first the kingdom of God. And then God will take care of all the other things. Or how about Matthew chapter 16, verse number 25 that says, For whoever wants to save their life must be willing to lose their life. Come on, we got to give our life away, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. There's a lot of people in red shirts today that worked hard uh, or had red shirts on that worked hard. And how many of you that came and you served this weekend so far, you'd say, I feel more alive, though I'm more tired than I've been in a month. 
right? Because there's something supernatural when you start giving your life for something bigger to help others. There's something supernatural that happens in your life. Number three, the third worldview that is really popular in our culture today is hedonism. And uh, hedonism, the mantra for this is, if it feels good, do it. You deserve a break today. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's all about your pleasure. And uh, I, I, I've met people that their only life goal is to work really hard. Man, I'm going to work really hard, and I can't wait till Friday. I'm going to party hard come Friday. Hedonism. It's all about pleasure. It's all about seeking the next thrill. It's, it, it's all about the pleasure you get out of it. There's nothing in it about dying to self. I've met people that their only goal is to make enough money so they can retire and sit back and enjoy life and make zero contribution. Just playing shuffleboard. You know, I mean, come on now. How many know there's got to be more to life than just retiring and doing nothing? Retire and fulfill your purpose. And that's why I love families in our church. I've seen them here today. Rich and Joyce and Yvette and Ron. Grandmas and grandpas in here serving God at the door, greeting at the door, serving on the dream team because there's something bigger to live for. Come on, everybody, right? Hedonism just says you do what you want to do. Now, I'm going to get personal. I'm going to get in your business a little bit, so buckle up, plug your ears, leave, whatever you need to do. But, but, but listen, friends, hedonism is the reason that it's all about what I get out of the deal. Uh, uh, it, it says I'm going to live with my partner outside of marriage because it's what I want to do. It says I'm going to have sex outside of marriage because it's the pleasure that I'm looking for, not what the Word of God says. See, do we have a hedonistic worldview, or do we have a biblical worldview? Oh, but Ken, the Bible, it's so out of date and out of touch. Come on, I ask you again. Are you after your own pleasure, or are you out to please God? Ooh, it got quiet up in here. Please amen me online. Give me a thumbs up. Give me an amen. Do you give me a salsa dancer. Do something. Let me know you're with me, right? Here's what Proverbs 21.7 says. Proverbs 21.7 says you're addicted to thrills. It's all about what you want. It's all about the thrills of life. What an empty life. That's what. Pro and by the way, Solomon, the smartest man that's ever lived, wrote this verse. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. How many of you ever, like, man, I'm going after my thing, and you got your thing, and it's like, yeah, but I want it again. Because Jesus said, if you drink of this well, you'll thirst again. You'll just keep being thirsty for it over and over and over again. John chapter 10, verse number 10, says, The thief comes only to still kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life. There's a whole lot of people looking to fulfill that emptiness in them and looking for life. And all the while, Jesus says, I've come to give you life. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. Okay, let's do another one. Uh, let's do what number am I on? Number four? Uh, number four. Oh, pragmatism. All right? Pragmatism, their mantra is whatever works for you. So what works for me might not work for you. So there's all kind of different roads as long as you're being true to yourself. Whatever works for you. 
That sounds wonderful. It sounds good in our culture. But what happens is in pragmatism, what happens is it erases any lines of absolutes. And so there's, never, there's no absolute truth anymore. Because whatever works for you is okay. You just go do it. Even if that means uh, uh, fill in the blank. If it works for you, that doesn't work for me. But at the same time, what works for you might not work for me. And we still have to have this thing called society. Come on, everybody. Are, are, is anybody hearing what I'm saying in the room tonight? There has to be a right and wrong. There has to be lines still. Because if the line is left up to us, how many know we keep pushing the line? And the line of your comfort might be different than the line of somebody else's comfort. And one somebody might say, it's right for me to have 10 wives. And the next person might come along and say, well, it's right for me to have 12-year-old wives. There has to be a line. There has to be an absolute. Come on now. Pragmatists are saying right now, it's big in our culture right now, because pragmatists are saying that the only thing wrong with our culture is those that are saying that there is something wrong with our culture. In other words, policemen now are the bad guys. And misdemeanors don't matter because what works for you doesn't work for me. Policemen are bad guys and, and, and pastors are bad guys because somebody has to stand up and say, no, right is still right and wrong is still wrong and God is still on the throne. Can somebody help a pastor out tonight, right? There has to be that. We still have to have society. Proverbs 14, verse number 12 says it this way. It says, there is a way that appears to be right. There's a way that appears to be right. I don't know what they're smoking, but there's a way that some people think is right. And, uh, but in the end, it leads to death, right? Uh, see, here's the thing. You could say, I don't believe in the laws of gravity. I just don't believe in it. I, I don't believe in the absolute law of gravity, just like I don't believe in the absolute laws or word of God. Okay, let's go to the Empire State Building, and you jump out. I'll stick my head out somewhere around the 15th floor and ask you, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going good so far. Yeah, of course it is. And that's what it, the pragmatists are saying. Hey, it's working for me so far, but there is an end. <laughs> Come on now, right? The ground is getting closer, everybody. There is a price to pay. Number five, the fifth big worldview that's happening in our culture today is naturalism. Now, this used to be the atheists, but we're not allowed to call them atheists anymore. Uh, when I was a kid, they were atheists. Now they're naturalism or naturalists, all right? And so their mantra is that God doesn't exist. This is big in our culture. This is big in our state. Did you know that? <laughs> um, th there are fewer believers in Washington and Oregon than in any other state in the Union. There are more uh, naturalism uh, worldviews than in uh, any other states in the Union. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I've kind of found, though, that atheists or naturalism, they're, they're kind of hypocritical because they're the very ones that are out picketing when social injustice happens. Now, I'm not for social injustice. Please follow this, and please don't take it out of context. If you don't believe in God, but you're holding a picket sign because there's social injustice, my question is, what higher power are you appealing to that something isn't right? 
Where did you get the idea that something is not right? Come on. It's hypocritical for you to say, I don't believe in God, but I'm going to pick up a, a sign and march when there's injustice because where are you getting your justice from? Come on, everybody. i got to love my neighbor. Yeah, where'd you get that from? It's called the B-I-B-L-E. It's called a world, it's called a, it's called a biblical worldview. Come on, is anybody hearing that today? All right, um... Let's see. Um, well, I'm going to skip my video, guys, all right? Let's go to number six. Number six is, uh, this is another big one in our culture today. Uh, number six, we got number six, is humanism. Uh, humanism, their mantra is, you are your own God. Mm. Now, we wouldn't necessarily say it that way, but it would come out really sweet sounding like, you have everything you need inside of you to be, to conquer the world. No, I don't. And no, you don't. That's why we need Jesus inside of here. Because I already tried it without Jesus, and I screwed up. Can anybody relate, right? And, and, and so humanism, it, it's, and I'm all for self-helps. I've taught help, self-helps. I've gone and done leadership. I'm all about self-improvement. But we need something more than self-improvement. I think you should try. I think I should try to self-improve. But there comes a time when that, I come to an end in myself and I need a supernatural, superior to my natural me to get to the next level. Come on, right everybody? Okay. Um, I need God, in other words. Uh, and, and really, this, this whole humanistic, this humanism kind of theology, um, it started way back in the garden. How many remember when, when the devil came to Eve and says, no, it's okay for you to eat that fruit. God's just afraid that you'll be like him. God's afraid that you will be like him. Like him, not in character, but you will be like a God, like him. And that's where it all started, humanism. Let's do the last one today. Let's do theism. This is the worldview I want you to have. It's a theistic, theism worldview. The mantra of, the, of theistic or theism is God created us for a purpose it's almost what I preach every single weekend God created you for a purpose and you know what some of you felt it this weekend when you serve somebody when they were putting shoes on people today as they're getting ready as you work to serve someone else that's part of who God called you to be that's why you feel fired up. Something happens inside of you that no drug, no money, no car, no, no promotion, no, n nothing else will do for you the same thing that walking in a greater purpose, bigger than yourself, come on, will do in your life. That's a biblical worldview, and I think we need a little more of it. Can I get an amen on that, right? Colossians says it this way. I've been studying the book of Colossians. The first chapter of Colossians is absolutely out of control. It talks about the supremacy of who Jesus is. It says, For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Check this out. Did you know 62% of Americans right now, in 2020, they did a survey. First of all, the only Americans in all of our nation, the only ones that reported an increase in their emotions, in, in, in emotional stability, 
no matter if they were rich or poor, Republican, Democrat, did not matter. Didn't matter the color of skin. The only people in all of America in 2020 that reported a healthier emotional life was those that attended church in one way or another every single weekend to be reminded of a biblical worldview. Otherwise, you start looking at the world through the lens of the news, through the lens of politics, through the lens of pandemics. Come on, everybody. Through the lens, right? Am I I right? So 62% of Americans in 2020 were surveyed, and 62% of Americans said that they are deeply spiritual. (laughs) Of course, I want to ask a bunch of questions behind that, like what kind of spirit? You know what I'm saying? But 62% of Americans said they're deeply spiritual. Here's the thing that worries me. What concerns me greatly is only 16% of Americans make decisions based on biblical worldviews. And we have way more than 16% that attend church on Sundays. So how do we sit in church? How do we get run over by the grace train of Jesus? How do we get saved by the good news of the gospel? yet we don't believe or don't have a biblical worldview. 16% of our country has a biblical worldview. Wow. That means the rest of the decisions are based on someone else, some opinion, some background, some lie, some news report. Come on, everybody. Right? I'm going to do based on one of these other great worldviews that's in our, in, in our nation right now. And we wonder, why do we keep making wrong decisions? Why do I keep hooking up with the wrong woman or the wrong guy? Or how come I always end up in the wrong? Well, maybe our worldview needs to come in contact. The Bible says, be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We get a new worldview as we change our mind. Our spirit is saved, but how many know our mind has to be renewed? And I don't know about you, but my mind does not satisfy with being renewed one time. I need to read the Word of God. I need the Word preached to me over and over and over. Come on, everybody. Because the world is pounding other worldviews in me. Mm -hmm. What you believe matters. Listen, let me give you this. Uh, uh, You get your worldview from four primary places. From your parents, from school, from the media, and through church. That's your four primary things. I didn't make that up. That's a national study. Okay, So watch this. How many hours do your kids attend school? How many hours do your kids either watch TV or they're on social media? How many hours, come on, are you spending with them? Versus the average American right now goes to church 1.1 times a month. That's some scary stuff. Because they're on social media an average of four and a half hours a day. Children. They're in a school that's not teaching them about God. Children. I hope they're with parents that are teaching them. But come on, we need a community of believers that have a worldview if we have a hope for the future generation loving Jesus. Come on, somebody, right? All right. Now, here's why I'm making such a big deal out of this. Because I've seen uh, during this pandemic, I mean Christians going crazy because of our worldviews. 
we got to have a biblical worldview. We as a church are committed. We're going to do a better job discipling and helping you know the word of God where you make good decisions in your marriage, good decisions in raising your kids, good decisions in your finances. And, um, and, and so those are some of the major goals that are before us as a church because we want you to have a biblical worldview. Let me end by saying this. What you believe matters because, number one, what you believe shapes your life. What you believe shapes your life. What you believe determines the behavior you have. Behavior starts in here. So what I believe in here determines what's, what's going to end up coming on the outside. Okay? Belief also creates or solves problems. So based on what... How many of you have seen somebody read something in the news and they overreact? Come on, don't you even not raise your hand, right? All right. So they have a different worldview. When I see the news, i got to make sure that I see it through the lens of the Word of God because I either create problems through my worldview or I solve problems through my worldview. Hello, somebody, right? Okay, and number four is God wants to use you to help others, but you can't help others if you're on the... <laughs> if, you're on the <laughs> if you're on the train too, come on now. There's got to be somebody that has a biblical worldview that can talk the sky is falling chicken little people down all right okay number five is belief determines our actions and actions determine the results you are where you are today in life based on the worldviews that you have let me end with this let me throw these four things at you i've been going fast are you getting anything out of this Okay, let me give you these, and then we're on our way to eat tacos. What, what? Okay, here we go. Uh, let me give you four things just to consider to change, start changing some worldview. It's changing. It's all right here. Okay, 2 Corinthians 10 might be a great verse to read. We tear down strongholds. We tear down imagination. We tear down the, the way we think. Okay, okay, so let me give you a couple. I think I have them up here. Number one is learn the truth. If you don't know where to read the Bible, go to our webpage. There it is, RadiusChurch.tv, and jump on our Bible reading program. We're reading through the New Testament together every single year. In January, we start in Matthew, and we go through the whole thing. Jump in it tomorrow and start being committed to reading the Word of God. Three minutes a day, and you'll have a chapter a day read. And, all, and say, it doesn't make sense. That doesn't even matter. Don't even try to make sense of it right now. Just let it get in your spirit, and let the Holy Spirit start interpreting it to you. You get the discipline down, and see if God doesn't start giving you revelation. Come on now, all right? So learn the truth. Number two, but the second thing is, is you've got to discern the truth. But you can't discern the truth in life unless you know what the truth is. I got Have you ever been at a crossroads and you're wondering, oh, what should I do, huh? And it sounds good. Oh, you just do you. If you don't have a biblical worldview, that's what you're going to do. And so far in life, you just doing you has got you in trouble. <laughs> you having a pragmatic uh, of worldview has got you hooked up with the wrong woman or man. How many know what I'm saying, right? So maybe I ought to discern the truth, but I can't discern the truth unless I learn the truth right? First uh, John says it this way, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Don't believe every voice. Don't believe every Christian. We just learned only 16% of them even believe in the word of God, all right? Okay, but test the spirits and see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many, okay? They all got the little fish on the back of their car. Just because they do doesn't mean you ought to follow them. All right, everybody? Okay. Just because you have a fish doesn't mean you're a false prophet either. All right, just clear that up. Number three, turn from the world. 
quit looking to the world for the answers. The world doesn't have the answers. The Word of God does. The people of God that you're doing life with, you've got to start investing in the relationships that will help you when you're in trouble. Invest in a friendship now so that when you're in trouble, you have someone you can trust on that road, right? Romans 12, 2 says it this way. Uh, I didn't write it down. But don't be conformed of this world, but be transformed. How many know the rest of it? By the renewing of your minds. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed, which is a fancy word for discipled, through the renewing of your mind. Okay? Yeah, the good news is you gave your life to Christ and you're on your way to heaven. The bad news is, is you have no biblical worldview. Okay? I'm not saying you. I'm saying the people you know. <laughs> okay? All right. So turn from this world. And then the last one is, number four, uh, number four is concern yourselves with God's plan. Man, I'm telling you, one of the things that was frustrating for me as a leader is seeing so many people wrapped up in what was happening in the world. And I'm not saying we ought to bury our head in the sand, but maybe God has a plan. Maybe what the devil meant for bad, maybe God's bigger. Maybe this isn't like, let me, can I just tell you, this is not like one superhero against a villain. This is not like Superman against kryptonite, somebody. Come on. This isn't Batman versus the Joker. This is God, the master of the universe, against the devil that he kicked out of heaven. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This is God. Be concerned with God's plan. Okay? Concern yourself. God, what do you want me to do? If everyone's going right, do you want me to go that way? If everyone right now is, as a church, is inward looking, should we be a church that's outward looking? Come on. Concern yourself with God's plan. Ladies and gentlemen, I got two minutes left. I'm going to dance. What? What? Come on, everybody, right? Come on. I'm on the end right there. You know, I really expected a lot better applause than that. I really do. But that's okay. My feelings aren't hurt. Let's go have tacos. Would you stand with me all over this place?